Welcome to Breaking Bad News, Apron Food PR's podcast about food brands, recalls, withdrawals, alerts and issues, and the way they're treated in the press and on social media. Your hosts are Jenny Gregorsik, managing partner of Apron Food PR, and Jeff Hahn, author, speaker, facilitator, and Apron's head of reputation strategy. Welcome to this edition of Breaking Bad News. I'm Jeff Hahn. With me, as always, is my buddy, Jenny Gregorsik. Jenny, good to see you. You too, Jeff. Hey, we are in the first week of May, and like we do, we look back at the previous month. And you know what that means? Yes, I do. It's Recall of the Month time, and it's really exciting. Very exciting. Recall of the Month. And that's what we're going to do today on our podcast, like we do every month on Breaking Bad News. Jenny, the pattern of our podcast is that we talk about a trend, then after what seems like hours to our listeners, you finally reveal your Recall of the Month pick. How about we break that pattern and just have you come right out and declare it? Today, you're just going to say it, and the podcast is going to be three minutes long. Okay, let's do it. Well, mm, no, not actually. Actually, not today. We've got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Oh, head fake. That deserves this. That wasn't exactly the sound effect I would have picked, but that's our producer, Russ, doing what he does best, I guess. <laughs> no worries, Jeff. I think we actually have something really interesting to talk about this time, so I want to make sure we give our listeners their full money's worth. Well, you know, they don't pay for this, so I guess listen at your own risk from here on. <laughs> I guess that's true, but I still want to give them some reason to keep listening. You know, both of our moms and the other two people who listen. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I think my mom has resubscribed, which oh. took some effort. yeah. Yeah, she's back in the game. That's great. I appreciate your commitment to the cause. Does this mean you have a trend you want to talk about first? I sure do. I've got one, and it's really one worth paying attention to because of where it's happening. And the place of this trend is on Instagram. And uh, I'll reference my notes here and pull up some amazing Instagram facts to chew on here. These numbers are pretty astounding. One billion people use Instagram stories a month. Do you use Instagram, Jeff? That's with a B, right? B, uh-huh. Yeah. B is in billion. Yeah, I'm the one person who does not. <laughs> I love Instagram. <laughs> uh, 500 million people use it every day. 88% of those user, users are outside of the U.S. Oh, uh, big international. Big international audience, yep. 71% are under the age of 35. Wow, that's a really young audience. Young audience. Mm -hmm. And 95% of those users are also active on YouTube, so strong correlation there. You know, if we think rewinding the clock way back to like 2013 when it was Facebook and Twitter, Instagram was still relatively small, um, but they actually crossed the 200 million mark in March of 2014 which by all comparisons is about where Pinterest is today. And then a few months later, by December of 2014, they re- they reached the 300 million milestone, which is where Snapchat is today. In the Think same year, that. 100 million new. In the same year. Yeah, hockey That's right. Here. And that was almost, that was five, five and a half years yeah, ago. Yeah. A long time ago. Um, and Twitter is not that far ahead of Instagram. They've got 335 million users. Uh, but then by June of 2016, a couple couple years later, Instagram had 500 million monthly active users, just like TikTok does today. 
They hit $600 million in December of 2016, which uh, at that time surpassed LinkedIn. They're at about 590 million users. Yeah, right about the same. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And then they reached the billion mark just 18 months later in June of 2018. So the only two that surpass them are YouTube and Facebook. Um, YouTube is at 1.9 billion and Facebook is at 2.2 billion users. So Instagram is just huge, um, getting bigger, and it's a great space to share ideas and and content. Um, So here's where it gets interesting from from our perspective. We talk a lot about influencers in, in our agency, and we are very regularly recommending uh, influencer programs to a lot of our clients where they make sense, where it fits into a bigger campaign plan. And thinking back into the early days of influencer marketing, we looked for people who had big follower accounts. That was the the thing that we were looking for. So you'd find celebrities, for example, that were really leading the way in this space. And that's that's still true to some to some some standpoint today. Yeah, you asked me to do some clicking around on this notion of celebrity followers on Instagram. And I've got a list from Statista that as of this month, May 2019, we've got these big celebrity personalities who people are following. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, soccer player. Mm -hmm. Ariana Grande, not a soccer player. (laughs) Selena Gomez. Also not a soccer player. Not a soccer player. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson could squish a soccer ball if he <laughs> wanted to. And then you've got, following those four, you've got Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, Beyonce, Leo Messi, another soccer player. That just tells you the enormity of the, the sport of football around the world. That's right. And then um, Taylor Swift brings up the big hitters. She has 117 million followers, which is some major throw weight, and I guess – You'd say that by virtue of the sheer number of followers, these celebrities are, in fact, cultural influencers. That's true. And I'm honestly surprised to see Beyonce as far down the list as she is, because in terms of cultural influence, she's so huge. But I want to head to the other end of the scale to a trend that's really piqued my attention. And it's beyond these celebrity influencers, um, not even micro influencers, which is what we work on so regularly with our clients, but it's these this rise of the nano influencer. So you might say that these uh, on this continuum, um, we've got these mid to high level influencers. They're megaphones. They spread the word to audience. Uh, they amplify a message for a brand. They could be like journalists or even more famous spokesperson for a brand. Or sometimes useful as a conversation starter in an online community. They can serve that purpose and in, in that role. They can even be authority figures in a crisis situation. So we would call those, you'd put them up on the your continuum closer to super, but not really that close, right? Uh, and then you've got these micro-influencers who are closer to nano. They may have around, what, 10,000 followers, would you say? Sure. And then nano's 2,000. 2,000 or fewer. I think those levels are, are generally close. The The synopsis is... Yeah, celebrity influencers, huge, huge influence. Micro-influencers, um, significantly smaller than that, but still a strong reach, um, usually geographically in the areas that they oh, reach. And then right. these nano-influencers are teeny tiny, but they pack a really big punch. 
um, we see engagement rates on influencers with smaller followings to be much higher. You know, if you've got a celebrity that may be reaching 10 million people, um, even 100 million people, but their engagement rate is half a percent, that's not that's not great engagement. Doesn't help. Right. Doesn't help much. Yeah. Exactly. But these nano influencers, if you've got a following of 2,000 people, 1,000 people, but their engagement rate is 15 percent, that's pretty huge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm with you. It's it's almost like a wider versus deeper XY chart. That exactly. Sets up here, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, your wider guys, the super influencers, uh, they may reach a lot, but you don't you don't really engage them a lot. And it seems like proximity might be playing a role in this. I'm just guessing, just thinking out loud about this, but the odds are infinitesimally small that I, for example, I'm going to find myself in a room with The Rock or Ariana Grande hanging out with them, right? Uh, Probably I Ariana Grande less likely for, yeah, for I don't you. invite them to my party. Do you know who Ariana Grande is? I've uh, seen that name yep. before. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, Okay, so that's our super celebrity types, right? I'm not going to have contact with them. Um, on the other hand, though, what we're saying here is that I may have a feeling of a more intimate connection with a nano influencer. It's a possibility, or I might even feel like I could know them at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. In the agency world, uh, we've got two really important nano or micro influencers, David C. Baker and Blair Enns. And... Um, I'd venture to guess these two guys own better than 50% of the agency consulting market. It's not an enormous market, um, those that get engaged with a consultant, but they are really big fish in in our small pond. And as it turns out, I sat next to Blair at the gathering this past February in Banff. And so I do feel like, hey, if I attach myself to this micro or nano influencer, there's a good chance that I might actually... Uh, come to know them or meet them someplace. My my engagement with Blair and David correlates with what you're saying. I listen to those guys all the time. I listen to what they tell agency owners. I go to their seminars. I mean, they're very influential to me. And now that I'm starting to sort of sort through this with you, I'm understanding putting those two in my frame of reference. Um, they really are nano or micro influencers to me. Yeah, you've you've got it exactly right, Jeff. Nano influencers engagement is so much deeper and this is really important for for a couple of reasons. You know, I think as as social media companies are really continuing to adjust their algorithms to create that more authentic experience that everyone's striving for, it's really going to be the highest engaging content and content from um, close friends too, that's going to make its way into your feed. Um, you know, for example, we're seeing folks like catering companies really change the way they do business um, because they've discovered that people eat with their phones first. Uh, this is really an allusion back to your Instagram notion, right? Mm-hmm. How eating with your phone first, it's all in the pictures. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words and I think the camera phone and and the smartphone today is the most ubiquitous tool to to capture that so it goes right along your fork knife phone that's right? right that's right and I mean these phones have come so far too thinking about the Instagram statistics that I was sharing earlier in 2013 
think about the photos that your iPhone took back in 2013 and and where we are now. Um, and we're in this constant search for these visually stunning Instagrammable moments. So yeah, even these catering companies are stepping up their games with stepping up their game with um, these interesting displays and stations and things like that that are really going to drive social media conversation around the events that they do. Um, a great one to check out is uh, Pinch Food Design. They're based in New York and they do food on this one-of-a-kind furniture setup, uh, food furniture setup. It's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a Homer Simpson dream. (laughs) The other one I really like to follow too that I think is doing some cutting edge stuff in the space is Creative Edge Parties out of, uh, they're based in I think New York and, and Miami, but they do some really cool stuff in this space too. This is all a search though for that. I mean, is it a trend towards the outlandish or is it a trend towards, um, do anything that you can to try to get attention? What's the, I mean, is it a, is there a niche here that we're working towards? I think that's, that's a great question, Jeff. I think what is so interesting about these nano influencers is because their following is so small, they are super relatable to their audience. And whether that's geographically based or on a specific topic, they're able to get very niche in the kind of content that they're sharing. Um, they're super specific in those in that niche and they find their swim lane. So they don't usually appeal to a huge audience. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Seth Godin's book, Tribes, but it's an oh, amazing, yeah. amazing yeah. read. Right. And, you know, he talks about how you don't need a million people to know you. If you know just a thousand, you've got yourself covered in this pretty powerful little tribe. And I think that word tribe is um, really what we're seeing show up across across culture in general, but really showing up in, in Instagram these days, too. It feels like we need a way, though, to describe this easily to clients. I mean, is there sort of a, a – when you talk about the power of influencers on your continuum – do you use a bit of a formula to help clients understand uh, what the right choice for them in this space is? Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of factors that go into what makes up influence, but we look at things like audience reach, because that's really going to give us the, the volume that we need um, or don't need, um, brand affinity, because that's going to help us deliver that expertise and credibility. Mm, yep. And then also the strength of their relationship with their followers. That's the the challenge with celebrity influencers is um, there's that loose connection. Um, so there there isn't that strong relationship where you might have with someone that is really like you and has the same value set as you do and you follow them and engage with them because they're part of your tribe. That relationship is so deep and so powerful. Jenny, can you tell me a little bit more about that engagement thing? I heard you say earlier that Nano influencers can have engagement rates of 10, 15%, much more than your super celebrities. Well, but what does engagement mean? Is that just me sending you a message and you actually speak back to me or what? That's a great question. Um, and there's a lot of different ways for us to measure digital analytics. But if you think of like an impression is just the number of eyeballs on on a piece of content, engagement goes a much goes a layer deeper, whether somebody is commenting on that content. They're sharing it with someone else. Um, They're not just passively seeing it in their feed. And if you think about the way people scroll through their feed, it's so fast. And so a one second video view doesn't mean 
doesn't mean much because people are moving so quickly through so much content and engagement is a deeper level of connection with that piece of content um, and that's a much more compelling metric for us. So I use a newspaper analogy. It's like uh, I read an article in the newspaper, then I cut it out and I hand it to somebody. I've engaged with that article right. more substantially. I'm with you. I'm convinced too. I, it's pretty amazing the sheer magnitude of how platforms like Instagram can sway consumer thinking, can create trends. But I, um, I'm i sitting here thinking about just the notion of influence and remembering you and I have attended a seminar put on by Robert Cialdini. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, um, the whole notion. He, he wrote, of course, Influence, the Art of Persuasion. And we've been to that seminar and we know that there's six ways to persuade inside of his model he talks directly about two specific techniques essential to the conf, uh, the these influencers the first is social proof we uh, do we behave we even repeat the words of others uh, social proof means when we see somebody else doing something or saying something and we believe it to be correct we'll often emulate that behavior Right on. Um, the second in that same category, you might remember in the model, um, is authority. We are trained from an early age to obey those with the trappings of authority. We, um, if you've got a uniform on or even a lab coat, you're a doctor, police officer, firefighter, those are the trappings of authority. Even things like diplomas on a wall give us a give us signals and signs that we should pay attention to the person that is speaking to us. So what we have in our nano influencers are people who provide social proof and authority. And would you say it's true that they, they have some sort of unique knowledge about a geography or a subject? Sure, absolutely. They cultivate that, and that's yep. what makes them who they are. They tell us what we should do. They tell us their opinions and we decide whether ours match up. If we think too hard about it, it sort of loses the effect, but um, that's the power of persuasion, especially what Cialdini teaches you, is that we don't like to think too hard. So this psychological phenomena is really something that Instagram is leveraging. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought about this really being social proof coming to life, but but it so is, and it's amazing to see how social proof lives in in our lives and in the food space, especially how challenging it is. If you think about who the influencers are in the in the consumer health and food space, think about folks like the food babe and other self-declared food experts. And then we have PhDs in the space who have real intimate knowledge of the food industry trying to um, share facts and real information competing against these self-described experts um, because it's this theory of social proof. If someone's a mom with three kids like me, I'm going to trust them because um, they're just like me and they're not Person this. like me. Right. Yeah. Not this, I'm not going to trust this PhD over here. I'm going to trust someone who's who's like me. So it's a really fascinating phenomenon and fun to revisit the the child eating principles. I loved that seminar we did a couple of years ago. We should we should think about bringing that back. Well, maybe I'll think about it if you'll tell us the recall of the month so we can end this podcast. That's why we're here after all. Okay, okay, I'll do it. 
But first, let's take a quick break. This episode of Breaking Bad News is sponsored by no one, because no brands want to be associated with this topic. And can you blame them? The team from Apron Food PR, however, is proud to step into the vacuum. You can learn more about Apron Food PR's brand protection and promotion work by visiting apronfoodpr.com. Welcome back to the second half of our April 2019 Recall of the Month podcast. I'm Jeff Hahn, and as always, my co-host and the guru of the recall, Jenny Gregorsik, is in the studio here with me. Jenny, we talked in the first half about nano-influencers. All of that information is really interesting, and I'm starting to think I could be one. I mean, I think I've got the goods. I only need a thousand people or so. It seems like it's within reach, right? It's not. It's not something that just happens, Jeff. You might have to work at it a little bit, but I do think it's possible. And here's why: your book, Breaking Bad News, ah, yes. is scheduled to be out later this year. So if you give enough copies away, it could happen. <laughs> well, uh, that's the only way I'm actually going to get them out of my garage. So. Get extra large Christmas stockings ready. Um, you're going to get about 100 copies for <laughs> each of your family and friends. Oh, wow. Thanks, Jeff. You know, I know a few folks that I want to unfriend, so I'll make sure that they're <laughs> they're on my list for oh, wow. uh, for the book. It is about crisis communication, after all, so I'm sure I'm sure they'll they'll get the Yeah, they'll get the burn on just that kidding, one. Just kidding, just kidding. No question that will do the trick. But now you have to perform a trick, and you've got to parlay all of that interesting nano-influencer trend information into your recall of the month selection. I am interested to see how you're going to do this. I got this. I got this. You know, this month's pick actually uses kind of an inside-out approach. The brand works out what it stands for and what its employees want it to stand for, and then communicates that idea through things like events, guerrilla marketing, uh, most of these things which focus on social, environmental, political issues, not necessarily a product. Um, And even product names, packaging names, often can convey some kind of a stance as much as they do the contents of of that product. Um, And these, you probably aren't tracking with me just yet, but you will, hang with me. Right, so we've got a, you've got a pick and it's a company of some kind. It's a company of some kind. Yep, and they take stances. Yep, they use an in, inside-out approach, as I mentioned. So they take a stand for something. um, Their product names take a stand for something. And um, I think their stances themselves are kind of a loyalty program that create this hardcore group of nano-influencers who want to seek out their products and create buzz about the different kinds of issues they promote. Um, This company was featured in an Ad Age article recently that said the company's CEO won't worry if some people hate its messages. <laughs> well, that takes some brass right there, but I think you're starting to wander back into the idea of a belief-driven buyer or purpose-driven buyers. We talked about those in another podcast, and this brand that you have picked for Recall the Month, they are actually creating belief-driven buyers? They're creating nano-influencers? You know, I think I think it's completely fair to combine both of these concepts of belief-driven buyers and nano-influencers because the influence of these people actually comes from the the fact that they're so passionate about the different subjects that they talk about. We talked earlier about building this 
niche thought leadership and and these nano influencers do it really well i think they can be found in pretty much any sector um, health and wellness talked about that a little earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. food Big entrepreneurship um, fashion and beauty are huge these are some of the bigger categories that we see um, and a couple examples i think would be helpful to point out um, Alexander Lerner, for example, she posts about her work as a yoga and wellness influencer on Instagram, and she writes and publishes books. She's got her own podcast. She collaborates with others in the yoga space, um, like, um, do you know Spiritual Gangster? They do. Um, oh, that's the brand I buy. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> they're a uh, <laughs> they're a yoga 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 apparel line, um, and then like in the beauty and fashion world, for example, um, Marta Pazin. She goes from Fashion Week to Fashion Week, promoting different high-end brands like Kenzo, Bulgari, um, and more. So what's the effect of, of these folks? Um, you know, I think I've read recently that 40% of Twitter users have made a purchase as a direct result of a tweet from an influencer. So it's easy to see why brands are using influencers to spread their message. Wow. Okay. You've got a brand, a company that leverages belief-driven audience or belief-driven buyers, turns them into nano-influencers, or at least conflates that notion. But do you recall that we are here to talk about recalls? Who is your mystery award winner this month? Well, I'll give you a few hints. And I'm six... Oh, you're going to draw this out even further? I am. Well, not too long. Oh, gosh. But I'm six months pregnant so i'm really really (laughs) deeply familiar with this brand right now and here's some of the things that they make americone dream the tonight dough half baked nope uh let me try one more this one's gonna give it away cherry garcia and chunky monkey aha aha okay i've got it ben and jerry's is your recall of the month pick sound effect please Yep. Sorry, Ben and Jerry's. You got served. Whoa. Whoa. Sorry is one thing, but what happened? <laughs> it's nutty, if you will. You'll see what I mean. Oh, gosh. Um, some of their pint containers of, it was their Ben and Jerry's coconut seven, um, seven layer bar bulk. And then um, also some of their chunky monkey because they could have contained almonds uh, Brazil nuts, hazelnuts that weren't declared on the products ingredient oh, list. We have allergy. a labeling, a labeling issue here. Yep, allergy okay. information list. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, a lot of folks don't know that Unilever actually owns the Ben and Jerry's brand, and they said that it was an error for one of their nut suppliers that was the cause of the the labeling error. And luckily, no one got sick, and it was a haha nano sized recall. <laughs> uh, but the pints got pulled just out of an abundance of caution, and they fixed the labeling problem. Well, we always asked about the media in these cases. How'd they get treated in the press? Did they um, did they get a lot of negative uh, articles? You know, the story did get some attention. Uh, in a quick Google search, I counted just under 40 articles. Oh, well, yeah, that's something. Yeah, and I, I think that's likely because the brand's visibility the popularity of their ice cream. I'm a big fan myself. Um, The fact that it was a nationwide recall, TV picked up the story, so there's probably some syndication there, prompted a good bit of the coverage. Um, And we can actually listen to some sound from uh, just one of the TV stories. Yeah, we've got a clip. We've got a clip. Ben and Jerry's parent company, Unilever, is recalling two ice cream flavors over a problem with the product ingredient lists. 
The FDA says the coconut seven layer bar and chunky monkey flavors may contain almonds, Brazil nuts and hazelnuts. And those ingredients are not listed on the packaging. The FDA says there have been no reports of illnesses. Yep, I can see why syndicated news ran with that. It's a popular brand. People likely have it in their refrigerator or in their freezers. And so uh, that makes sense to me that it got picked up a little bit more than what we've seen in other past recalls of the month. I have to say to you, though, I'm a little less than impressed by how the brand communicated about the recall itself. I did some trolling around looking at the website. They invest a lot of time and energy into subjects like criminal justice reform, Green New Deal, and others. Like you were saying, they, they activate communities around issues. But there's no mention of the recall on the site, nor did I find any mention of it on their Twitter feed. The you know, Ben & Jerry's is good about saying we make the best possible ice cream in the best possible way, but I'm skeptical. They don't seem to want to inform their consumers in the best possible way. What happened? They left it up to Unilever. They kicked it upstairs. So Unilever did that. That's right. You know, it's really, I think, a balancing act for these brands to mix their promotional face that, that consumers see, whether that's fun or exciting or on a crusade about an issue. I think um, Ben & Jerry's for so long has been known as a um, really crunchy, grassroots kind of a brand. Granola-y, uh, you might say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do they balance that with protecting um, and, and the protection that has to come with managing a food product and food safety and all of that. I think Ben & Cherry's choice to separate the brand message from the recall by pushing it up to Unilever actually shows us that it's um, even, a, even a strong brand is sensitive to negative news. Uh, and from a comm standpoint, why not? Why wouldn't they do that? If you've got a, a big holding company type of brand with not a lot of brand equity in it, like Unilever, push the bad news off on them and let let the Ben & Jerry's brand maintain that halo effect that they've enjoyed for decades. I didn't even know until I started digging into them that they had been acquired by Unilever. Yeah, okay. So with that um, tension built into the brand, we're a national brand. People think of us as very local. They've got what you might call a, um, a truffle kerfuffle. Oh, that was terrible. That's a flavor. No, I would not. I would not call it that. All right. <laughs> that probably means it's time to wrap up. Sorry, Ben and Jerry's. You are the recall of the month. Jenny's put you in the headlock. Hopefully it doesn't happen any s'more to you. <laughs> this is dumb, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, Jeff. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Breaking Bad News with Jenny Gregorsik and Jeff Hahn from Apron Food PR. Subscribe and learn more at apronfoodpr.com. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes. It really helps. Mm-hmm.